First Samuel chapter number 12, the book of First Samuel, and chapter number 12. First Samuel 12. We'll begin our reading in verse number 1. 1 Samuel 12, 1. And Samuel said unto all Israel, Behold, I have hearkened unto your voice in all that ye said unto me, and have made a king over you. And now, behold, the king walketh before you, and I am old and gray-headed, and behold, my sons are with you. And I have walked before you from my childhood unto this day. Behold, here I am. Witness against me before the Lord and before his anointed, whose ox have I taken, or whose ass have I taken, or whom have I defrauded, whom have I oppressed, or of whose hand have I received any bribe to blind mine eyes therewith, and I will restore it to you, uh, restore it to you. And they said, Thou hast not defrauded us, nor oppressed us, neither hast thou taken aught of any man's hand. And he said unto them, The Lord is witness against you. And his anointed is witness this day that ye have not found aught in my hand. And they answered, He is witness. And Samuel said unto the people, It is the Lord that advanced Moses and Aaron, and that brought your fathers up out of the land of Egypt. Now therefore stand still, that I may reason with you before the Lord of all the righteous acts of the Lord, which he did to you and to your fathers. When Jacob was come into Egypt, and your fathers cried, Unto the Lord, then the Lord sent Moses and Aaron, which brought forth your fathers out of Egypt and made them dwell in this place. And when they forget the Lord, their God, he sold them unto, into the hand of Sisera, the, um, Sisera, captain of the host of Hazor, and, and into the hand of the Philistines, and into the hand of the king of Moab, and they fought against them. And they cried unto the Lord and said, We have sinned, because we have forsaken the Lord and have served Balaam and Ashtaroth. But now deliver us out of the hand of our enemies, and we will serve thee. And the Lord sent Jerubbabel and Badan and Jephthah and Samuel, and delivered you out of the hand of your enemies on every side, and ye dwelled safe. And when ye saw that Nahash, the king of the children of Ammon, came against you, ye said unto me, Nay, but a king shall reign over us, when the Lord your God was your king. Now therefore, behold the king whom you have chosen and whom ye have desired, And behold, the Lord has set a king over you. If ye will fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice and not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then shall both ye and also the king that reigneth over you continue continue following the Lord your God. But if ye will not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then shall the hand of the Lord be against you as it was against your fathers. Now therefore stand and see this great thing which the Lord will uh, do before our eyes. Is it not wheat harvest today? I will call unto the Lord, and he will send thunder and rain, that ye may perceive and see your wickedness is great, which ye have done in the sight of the Lord, in asking you a king. So Samuel called unto the Lord, and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day. And all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. And all the people said unto Samuel, Pray for thy servants unto the Lord thy God, that we die not, for we had We have added unto all our sins this evil to ask uh, us a king. And Samuel said unto the people, Fear not, ye have done all this wickedness, yet turn not aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. And turn ye not aside, for then should ye go after vain things, which cannot profit nor deliver, for they are vain. For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it hath pleased the Lord to make you his people. Moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you, but I will teach you the good in the right way. Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all of your heart. For consider how great things he hath done for you. But if ye shall still do wickedly, ye shall be consumed, both ye and your king. Well, here we are, 2020, 
new year, new theme, go ye. Um, preach this morning on this subject out of this passage. See the need to keep God first. So very important. Let's pray. We'll get started. <clears throat> Father, I do thank you once again for the folks that were able to make it out this morning. I pray, Lord, now you'd bless us. I know that there's some at home that are sick, probably watching by live stream, and we just pray that you'd use your word, whether with folks here or folks out there. We just pray you would use your word. We pray for power. We pray for boldness to preach. We need clarity of thought and clarity of speech this morning, Lord, that can only come from you. We pray that you'd give that also. And Lord, work in our lives in such a way that we know that you have spoken to us and that we might respond as we should um, once you have spoken. Bless and help us now, Lord. We need your help. We ask all these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for standing. Excuse me, and please do be seated. As believers, it is uh, absolutely necessary um, that we have two things as we go through this life as believers, born-again believers. Repentance toward God and faithful service in whatever we do. Um, When I got saved, I repented and trusted the Lord Jesus Christ, and he saved my soul just like that. It's a wonderful thing. But after that time, we have to live a life of repentance. I mean, when we see that we are forsaken God, forsaken his way, that we turned away, that, and we'll get more into that, but we have to live a life of repentance. That means that when we see that we're going a, a way that we shouldn't go, that we're willing to turn around. And, and also faithful service in whatever we do, that we're faithful unto God, that, that, we, that we serve in, in a way that we're serving as, 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 um, as we should, in the, in the manner, in the, in the spirit, and with the attitude that we should. And, and really, these were the two points of Samuel's message right here. And, and we have to, to, to remember that this was at the coronation of King Saul. This is at the coronation of the king. Uh, okay, I can just imagine. Hey, uh, Samuel, um, w- would, you, would you like to speak at the coronation of the king? And I can see Samuel going, oh, yeah. Yep, yep. Yep, I would. I have a few things I believe God would have me to say there at the coronation of the king. You know, the people had demanded a king so they might be like other nations. We want a king. Well, you have God. You can just follow God. We want a king. We want to be like everybody else. We don't want to, we want a king. And we know that before this, you know, Israel had been ruled by God. It's, it's, I'm saying that God was the supreme authority over the nation of Israel, and that form of government we know is uh, a theocracy. And so the Israelites looked to God to be their guide and their protector and their provider and their savior, and, and they trusted in him. They tr- were trusting in him to meet their every need. And I'm sure you remember this, that when they were wholeheartedly following God, he never failed them. He never failed them. Come on, Eric, get with me right, right in the beginning of this. When they were wholeheartedly, Israel was wholeheartedly following God, God never failed them. He met their every need, always, always took care of them, always met their need as they went. But the Israelites rejected the Lord, and they demanded to have a king just, just like all the other nations. We want a king like that. Now, now, there's really nothing wrong with, with, with wanting to be ruled by a monarchy, wanting to be ruled by a king. And, and their request may have possibly been acceptable if they had been living for God. And if they had requested a king that, um, a king that was after God's own heart. But that wasn't what was going on at the time. Not at all. At this point, they were living disobedient lives, wicked lives, just doing what they wanted to do. They had turned their back on God. They had forsaken Him. They, they, it seemed like they had forgotten all of the times that, that He had been so good to them. 
They, they had taken their eyes off of him, began to look to other nations and, and how they were living and what they were doing and how they were ruled. And, and, and then they decided they needed a king. Uh, we need a king. We want to be like everybody else. We need a king. And God granted their desire. So Samuel, the priest here, he had quite the task set before him. He had to work at preparing these people to live under this monarchy. And he knew that it was uh, was really simply restructuring the rules so that they might feel more comfortable with this new king. No, no, no. I'm sorry. That's not the case whatsoever. That's not the way it was, no. No, his first duty was to try to get them to turn their heart back to God. His first duty was try to get them to repent. And if they would do that, they could go ahead and live lives of faithful service. But this new government was not going to work unless both the people and the king were faithful to do their part. Success could only be guaranteed if they were faithful to fulfill their calling upon this earth. So the preacher Samuel here, wanting to help them to have success under this king, did did what he knew God would want him to do. He preached a message. He said, thus saith the Lord. Maybe it was titled, maybe his message was titled, Repentance and Faithful Service to God, Keys living, It's Keys of Living a Good Life. Okay, nobody brought their sense of humor. Anyway, perhaps it was titled that. I don't know. But Samuel wanted to make something clear. He'd been faithful. What do you mean, preacher? He'd been faithful to tell them exactly what God told him to tell them. He'd been faithful to lead them in the way that God would have them to go. No, no, they, they, didn't, they didn't desire a, a king because Samuel had, had uh, uh, messed up in his part. He, he'd been faithful. But now it's time for him to step aside and it's time for him to turn leadership over to King Saul. And, and he had to stress, uh, he had to stress at this point how important it was that Saul be faithful. And he did that somewhat by vindicating his own ministry. He had lived a righteous life. He had executed justice among the people. And we have to remember this. King Saul's right there. This is his coronation. And can you imagine the things running through his mind as Samuel stood up there preaching? I mean, he said that he listened to the people, had done exactly what they asked. He'd given them King Saul, select him, selecting him even over his own sons. And, and he stressed how a leader has to have an open heart and mind and had to be available to the people. And he had to be willing to listen to what the people had to say. I mean, he's talking at the coronation of the king. He's saying all of these things. And he told him that, that, that he is now an older man and that, that he had been their leader from, had been a leader from his youth and he had served them faithfully and he was willing to step aside and let King Saul take up the mantle of leadership and take on the responsibility of overseeing these people but he stressed how Saul needed to listen and 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 heed the challenge that was laid out before him because because he 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 was stressing how Saul needed to serve faithfully through all, all of his years just as Samuel had served faithfully since the days of his youth then it's as if uh, Samuel painted this courtroom picture a scenario where he, he stood before all the people who he had served and, 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 and who were witnesses to the life that he had lived before them. And Samuel called upon the people to vindicate his ministry. Had he ever stolen? Had he ever cheated? Had he ever oppressed anyone? Had he ever taken or condoned a bribe, I mean, showing favor to the rich and to the powerful. And if so, if so, he were guilty of any wrongdoing, and he was ready to make it right, right then and there. He was ready to take responsibility. If anybody knows of anything like that that I've done, I'm, I'm here, I'll listen, I'll, I'll make it right. And the, and the people, 
<coughs> if you will, they, they returned a, a verdict. They said, they, they said that Samuel had been faithful and that Samuel was innocent of any wrongdoing. He had lived a righteous life. He had been a faithful servant through all of his years, according to verse number 4. And then Samuel even even declared that the the uh, that the Lord and Saul were witnesses of this right living of this faithful life of the, of his service and so his his life his ministry was vindicated. What, what, what's the big deal, preacher? Remember the setting here. Saul beheld all of this. I think it had to have some type of impact on him right there at the time. He's fixing to he's fixing to be king. He's fixing to take over a position of leading these people. Hold it, listen, stay with me here. God had been leading these people, or trying, and now it's going to be placed into the hands of a man. And so it's vitally important that this man, Saul, stay close to God and do what God would have him to do, leading the people the same way that Samuel had led them to an extent. I mean, he had to be thinking about on, uh, uh, thinking back on all of the years that Samuel had served and, and, and then thinking that, that, that of all these years of Samuel serving the people in this way, there's not one person that could accuse him of any wrongdoing. I mean, what a great testimony. What a wonderful example. I mean, not only for Saul to follow, but for all of us to follow. What a challenge for us to, to live according to the Word of God and, and to serve God faithfully for the rest of our days, obeying God and all that He would have us to do. A wonderful, wonderful challenge. First Corinthians chapter 4 verse number 2 says, Moreover, is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. And then Samuel moves on. And he begins to give them a little history lesson on the faithfulness of, uh, of God. And he begins to preach about how faithful the Lord had been to them all, all throughout history. And, and, and they were at a critical place in time. They had demanded a king so that they could be like everyone else. And they were, they were going into this new form of government, so they were going to, they, they, they were prone to totally forget God and now look to their king as their guide, as their provider, as their savior, instead of looking to God for those things. Or, 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 or would they be willing to acknowledge that their new king ruled under the authority of God? And because of that, because Saul would be ruling under the authority of God, he himself was to be dependent upon God just as much as the, uh, the people that he was ruling over. I mean, that he, that, that, that Saul must look to God as his savior and his guide and, and his protector so that the Lord might be those things to the king and to the people. Would Saul choose to live this righteous life and use his power to serve the people, to minister to their needs? Or, or, or would he choose to use this power for selfish reasons, to stack up wealth, to, to enjoy the sinful, wicked pleasures of this world? I mean, Samuel knew it was important for the people to remember. Listen to me, please. It was important for the people to remember the Lord and all his wonderful works to the children of men. Even though they were going to get this king, and even though they were excited about getting their way and doing things their own way, Samuel's trying to remind them, you better keep your eyes on the Lord. You better keep the Lord first. You better understand that even though you're getting this king, God's still number one. He has to be kept in that position. And Samuel reminded them of their deliverance uh, uh, from Egypt, how God had used Moses and Aaron to serve, uh, uh, I'm sorry, to save the uh, forefathers from a life of, of slavery. And, and, and he got the people's attention and he told them to stand still, listen to what he was declaring unto them. Apparently they were getting very restless. I thought this was the coronation of the king. An old preacher up there, he's just wailing away. It seems like he's beating us up about what we're going to do and what we wanted and all these things. Come on, can you see it? Because he told them, stand still. I mean, apparently they were getting very uh, anxious. This was supposed to be a happy occasion. And now the old preacher's up there just telling us how wicked we are. Well, that's what his preacher's supposed to do. Anyway... 
It must not have been the message they exactly were wanting to hear at this gala, you know. That it wasn't so. So it was the it was the Lord who listened to their cries. It was the Lord that established their nation. He is the one that had given them uh, and and brought them into the promised land. All of this came from God. It didn't come from some earthly king. All of this had come from God. And then he got very pointed. Samuel he got very pointed in his preaching, and he reminded them how they had done wrong time and time and time again remember who God is and what he has done oh yeah and remember who you are and what you're prone to do We know this. We know that they had, they had, uh, in the past, they had consistently forsaken the Lord. They had turned away from living for, for God and, and, and just went ahead and did their own thing, whatever they wanted to do. They had been sinful. They had disobeyed God over and over and over again. And the Lord had judged them. We know that, don't we? Come on, Bible readers. The Lord had just judged them. The Lord had chastened them. And, and He had given them over, um, uh, to be conquered by Sisera, the commander of the Canaanite army. And He also given them up to be, uh, conquered by the Philistines and by the king of Moab. Uh, but, but the great thing is that their forefathers finally eventually cried out to God and they confessed their sins and, and they cried out for deliverance and, and they, 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 turned, uh, uh, they, 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 they turned from their false gods. The, the, the chastisement of God brought them back to reality and they promised to serve God with a re- renewed heart. Look, no, no, no. Remember where we started. I mean, two main things here. Repentance and faithfully serving God in everything we do. We have to remember who we are and we have to remember who God is and how loving and kind and long-suffering and forgiving that He is. And that when we, after we do stray away, we begin to stray away, there comes a time that God, there comes a time that God loves his children so very much, there comes a time that he prompts us to come back to him. To come back and do the right thing. Live the right way. Make the right choices. Saul reminded him how that, that, that God had raised up judges, you know, uh, 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 to try to guide them in the way. He mentioned Gideon and, and, and Barak and, and Jephthah uh, to help keep them on the right path. Back, You know, it's, it's just we have to remember that God is always trying to help us. He's always trying to help us, but we have a tendency to go our own way, don't we? We have a tendency to stray if we're not careful. You know, God has proved himself merciful and gracious and mighty down all throughout the, all the years. We, we know that he has delivered millions of people as they put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Millions have been delivered from the bondage of sin and wickedness. I mean, things such as alcohol and drugs and pornography and immorality and gluttony and greed and covetousness and cussing and shoplifting and homosexuality and smoking and gossiping and hatred and anger and depression and that list goes on and on and on. I mean, the things in this life that are able to enslave us are innumerable, aren't they? It's not like there's just a couple of things. But there is hope. No, no, there's glorious hope. I mean, you can be saved and delivered from the horrible bondages of sin. Jesus Christ has already paid the price for your freedom. All you have to do is come to Him. And once we know Him, even if we do stray away, He's always there. It's not like He says, okay, you've gotten too far and I'm going to kick you down now. He's not that way. He's there to help us. So Samuel gives them fair warning. Verses 12 through 19 there. He told him, he said, if you continue to reject God, you're going to have to face his judgment one day. You preachers, you're always preaching judgment's coming, judgment's coming. You better get right, judgment's coming. Uh, We do that because judgment's coming. Truly. If we're headed the wrong way, we will face judgment. 
Come on. It's righteous judgment. People get to thinking they can live any way they want to, go any way they want to, do whatever. And, and you know, that preacher, he's always saying, but I mean, my life is just, oh, wait, 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 your life's not over yet. And again, getting back to this group that he's preaching to by demanding a king, they had rejected God. We don't need God. We need a king. That's what we need. That, that was their mindset. That was their heart. They'd forgotten or they'd taken for granted all that God had done for them. So Samuel does some more preaching there at this coronation of the king. And he charged them with the sin of rejecting the Lord. They're now looking at an earthly king with hopes that, that he could bring them, that this king could bring them peace and security and, and this strong economy. But their trust in this earthly king, what it did, it revealed their hearts. What do you mean, preacher? They had lost confidence in God. They wanted somebody to give them more than what God was doing for them. Take care of them better than what God was doing. Well, if we do this, we have this king, then we can have this and all these things. No, no, they, 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 they had lost confidence in the God that had taken care of them for so long. And then at this point, it seemed like Samuel must have pointed must have pointed towards Saul. He, he is letting it rip. And it's like he, he must have pointed towards Saul and shouted, Behold, here's the king you've demanded. Just pointing at another man. I said he was just pointing at a man. A man that has no supernatural powers as our God does. Just another man. Behold, here's the king that you demanded. The Lord has granted your request and put a king over you. It's kind of like he's saying, you got what you wanted. But you lost what you had. And then he turned back to the people and gave this warning. Look at verse 14 there. It says, if you will fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice and not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then shall both ye and also the king that reigneth over you continue following Continue following the Lord your God. But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then shall the hand of the Lord be against you as it was against your fathers. So here's what he said in a nutshell. God blesses and God curses. You do right, continue to follow God, even though you have a king. Oh, everything's going to be fine. You decide just to go your own way and do your own thing, there's going to be a price to pay. I mean, even under this new system of government, the people could be blessed. Truly, because God blesses those that are obedient to him. If they feared the Lord, if they served and obeyed him, they'd be blessed. Even the king needed to obey and, and to serve under God's rule. He, he was making it very clear. But we have to remember that God not only blesses the obedient. He also judge, judges and chastens the disobedient. And at this point. Samuel challenges the people to stand still and witness the power of God. The power of God for what? To execute judgment. No, no, it's almost like he says, stand still, I'm going to show you what God can do. And this mighty prophet, he asked God to send a thunderstorm in the middle of a hot, dry harvest season. What's the big deal about that? didn't rain that time of the year. It's harvest time. Rain didn't come that time of the year. Crops in the field, they need to get them out. So here's this preacher, Samuel. He's standing on the platform before all these people, and all of a sudden he calls out to God to send a thunderstorm. 
And very apparently before long, dark clouds begin to form and the Lord sent thunder and rain. And probably, probably during this thunderstorm, probably crops were destroyed. That's prone to happen when crops are in the field that way. They weren't going to yield everything they would have. Because see, God was showing, stay with me here, please. God was showing his power to execute judgment when necessary. Here's the thing, here's the thing. Really, come on. Just as prone as we are to wander away for God, to forsake God, to forget everything that God would do for us, we are in the very same way prone to think, yeah, God don't do that stuff no more. No, we are. We're prone to think that way. But God still does do that. And he might not do that, please listen to me, he might not do that just at the request of a, of a prophet, of a preacher, whatever, he, but he will do that. He tries to get our attention. He tries. He, he is still able to send judgment when he so decides. These people understood it. I mean, at that point, they, 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 they took it very seriously. They took it seriously. And they asked Samuel, they asked Samuel to pray that, that God would once again show them, show them mercy. And they confessed down through there. They had confessed that they had added with all their other sins that they had added the sin of asking for a king. No, I love this example because very apparently Samuel had preached in such a way it got them to confess in their sins. I need to do something about this. I'm not where God needs me. I, 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 I've been off track. I'm not doing what God wants me to do. I've been thinking wrong. I've been going wrong. <clears throat> if we take God out of his rightful place in our lives as believers, it will eventually bring us to a place of facing judgment. And I'll just go ahead and say it. No, you're not the exception. You're not the exception. You're not getting by with anything. God is keeping track of you. He knows. So Samuel calls for repentance. Look at verse number 20. And Samuel said unto the people, Fear not. You've done all this wickedness. Yet turn not aside from following the Lord. But serve the Lord with all your heart. And turn ye not aside. And then should ye go after vain things? Which cannot profit nor deliver. For they're vain. For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it hath pleased the Lord to make you his people. So he points the people to the Lord with a very straightforward conclusion to this message that he's preaching here. And here's what he said. Get this, come on. Here's what he said. Never forsake the Lord again. Don't do this no more. I know it's not good English. Don't do this again. Never forsake the Lord again. Serve the Lord wholeheartedly. Turn your back to Him the way that it was at one time. And then serve the Lord wholeheartedly. I just don't know how people are going. They had turned their head and they were a wicked preacher and they had gone that far away. And now God had showed them these things. And what are they supposed to do? They're supposed to repent right there at that point and start serving God from that point onward. I just don't know how I'm going to be able to get because, you know, I've been away. and it. Here's what you do. You repent. Lord, I'm sorry for those things that I've been doing, have done, and all those things, ways of forsaking you and going my own way and all those things. And I'm going to start 
Now, going the way that you want me to go. That's basically what he preached. And that's still God's plan for today. If you're going the wrong way, repent. About face. Go the other way. Go the way that God wants you to go. He tells them, don't turn to those things that are empty and useless. You're not going to find happiness in those things. They can never help you like God can. I, I, it, it's so crazy. People turn into all these self-help books and all these things. I'm telling you, this is the book we need. Get back to this book. I'm not against reading books. I've got a whole library full of books. I'm not against that. But, 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 but anything contrary to what this says is wrong. And we read these worldly books and it, ah, that sounds like a good idea for me. Well, if it's against what God would have you to do, it's not a good idea. Don't turn to those things. Turn back to God. God is long-suffering and, and very forgiving and, and willing to accept those that will turn back to him. He just wants them to come back to him. God just wants us to be faithful. God is faithful, and he just wants us to be faithful. And no matter how far you may stray from him, he's always ready for you to come back to him. But don't be deceived. If you keep going your own way, please listen to this. Don't be deceived. If you keep going your own way, you'll just get further and further and further from God. And that never leads to blessing. It never leads to blessing. So Samuel, Samuel assured the people that they had his prayers and that he would continue to try to guide them in the right way. This old preacher, he just got there. He was mad because he was losing his spot. And he just got there and ripped the hide off those people, just left them standing there and all these things. No, 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 no. You don't understand the spirit of all this. He was still a prophet of God, and he was speaking, thus saith the Lord, what God wanted him to say. This wasn't just some old mad preacher got up there and just, 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 just relieved himself of all of his anger. No, 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 no. There in verse number 23, he said this, more rest for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord and ceasing to pray for you. He still cared about these people, just like he had always cared about these people. In fact, he's trying to direct them so they don't mess up again. He's doing his best to help them. And then he says this, but I will teach you the good and the right way. He said, I'll still be here for you as much as you'll let me be here for you. I'll still give you guidance as much as you'll listen. Let me help you. I'm going to continue to pray for you, for, your, for, for the country, for our king. I'm going to pray for all these things. I'll do my best to guide you the right way. And then he brings his little coronation message to a conclusion. Look at verse 24. It says, only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart. For consider how great things he has done for you. But if you shall still do wickedly, Ye shall be consumed, both ye and your king. So he challenges them with this. He challenges them to fear the Lord and to serve him faithfully with all their heart. Fear God and serve him faithfully with all your heart. And keep in mind, stay with me, I'll write it down. Keep in mind all the great things that God has done for you. We can't lose sight of all the good things that God has done for us and just merely go on our way thinking that we can just live our life any way we want to from this time forward. God is good and God is faithful and God has been there for us. And sometimes it does us well just to look back, even if we have to go back, even if we have to go all the way back to our day of salvation, which we really shouldn't because God has blessed us, no doubt, since that time. But even if we have to go all the way back to the day of our salvation 
And remember how good God was to us on that day to save our soul, forgive us of our sin, and give us new life. Even if we have to go back to that point to realize how good God is to us. How merciful God is to us. But his final statement in this sermon to the people was a stern warning to the people and to King Saul. This, this final statement, it summarized all the judgments of, of the law and, and it, foresaw, it foresaw the, uh, the future of this new order of government being instituted in Israel, this monarch, uh, monarchy. When he said this, but if you shall do wickedly, if you shall still do wickedly, you shall be consumed, both ye and your king. You know, this warning from Samuel, it not only rang true for, for every form of government instituted by Israel, but with every nation upon the face of this earth. Come on, this, this warning was very succinct and to the point. Here's what he said. If you continue to sin, both you and your king will ultimately be swept away, be judged, be destroyed. You keep going your own way and God's hand of judgment is going to fall upon you. One Bible commentator gave a real good summary of this coronation sermon that was preached by Samuel. Let me read it to you, and we'll close here. He said this, quote, The message is a pointed one and strikes at the heart of Israel's problem. The nation's real threat was not external, that is, one that could be faced and defeated by a king who'd go out and lead Israel in battle, Rather, it was internal and spiritual. The malignant faith condition that caused Israel to demand the king in preference to restoring a relationship with God was what, is what, was what would ultimately cause the nation to be swept away. No king, however mighty, could stop the tide of divine judgment that would roll against Israel in the day of the Lord's wrath. End quote. That, that pretty much put it in a nutshell, didn't it? Truly. So here at the beginning of uh, the year 2020, I, I have to ask you, do you see the need to keep God first in your life and in the life of your family? Do, do you see the need of living a life of repentance? I mean, a willingness to keep your heart turned toward God and turned toward godliness? If, if, if we have turned away from God, if we have forsaken Him, if we have ignored Him, if we have neglected Him, even denying in, or questioning His existence, if we are trusting in, in anything or anyone else to give us the guidance that only God can give, we have to repent. We, we must turn back to God. Isaiah 55, 7 says this, Let the wicked forsake his way. Or get things out of your life that don't belong in the life of a child of God. It goes on and says, And the unrighteous man his thoughts. Or, or, or quit doing things your way and get back to doing things God's way. And let him, this, this person, return unto the Lord... And he will have mercy upon him 
and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. That's our God. But it doesn't happen just because we whisper an empty prayer at the, at the altar of the carnal so that we might have favor with God just to keep on living our life any way we want to live it. Oh, I'll say it again. It, 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 that type of forgiveness doesn't happen just because we em, uh, whisper an empty prayer at the altar of the carnal with hopes of having forgiveness so that we can just keep on living our life the way we want to live it. We might as well just be worshiping at the altar of Baal. See the need to keep God first. First. You know what grieves me as as a pastor, as a Christian, as a pastor, what grieves me? It grieves me that people really think that they can live their own way, their own life the way they want to and still be blessed the way that God wants to bless them. I'm not trying to be ugly in this. I mean, it grieves my heart, truly. That people think that they can just do whatever they want to do and that they're still going to be blessed by God. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. People say, well, God's providing all my needs. But you're missing out on the eternal blessings. And your eyes are so stuck on the temporal. I said, I said your eyes are so stuck on the temporal. Your mind is so set on the temporal. If I just have the temporal, then I must be blessed by God. Oh, that's what these people thought. Just give us a king that can give us what we want, what we need, and feed us and house us and all these things, and we'll be blessed. No, that's exactly what they thought. Just give me a king. God goes so much further than that. And it grieves my heart that people think otherwise. I'm thankful for everybody prayed while we went out to Arizona, attended the funeral. Brother J.C. Joyner, he pastored the New Testament Baptist Church there in Tucson for over 60 years. For over 60 years. Faithful, faithful man of God. He was a, he was a good man. The place was packed out. People from all over the country came to be there for that funeral. Brother Joyner he was an amazing, an amazing pastor. But he used to say this all the time, which is, he used to say this all the time. If you're not saved, get saved. And once you're saved, live like you're saved. And then help someone else get saved. Now, hold on. No, 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 I'm done. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. If you're not saved, get saved. Then live like you're saved. And then help someone else to get saved. Now, hold on. If everybody just heeded that and really tried to live like that, we'd probably do pretty good, wouldn't we? What we need to do here at the beginning of 2020, if we really want this year to be the best year spiritually for us, we need to see the need to keep God first in our own life. And if we have taken him off the throne of our heart and put some other king on there, it's usually the king of self, then maybe it's time to repent. Put God back where he belongs. Pretty important. Let's all stand. Stand with me, would you? 
Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the guidance that you give. Thank you, Lord, for all the prophets that you sent all those years ago and for all the preachers you've sent from that time. And thank you, Lord, for the preachers that we have sat under over the years and the ones we have heard to preach messages along this line that would help us to stay on track or to get back on track. And I'm, I'm thankful your spirit still speaks. But it doesn't do any good if we hear from you, if you speak to our hearts, if we take note of where we are and we're not where we should be with you. It doesn't do any good if we don't do something about it. So Lord, for these next few moments, we're going to open up the altar. And I don't know, I will not have a show of hands. I don't know how you've spoken to anyone. Lord, I just pray that we would be obedient to your spirit and that we would do what you would have us to do. Father, I, I just pray that, you'd, that you would be glorified in all of this and that people would be blessed because of their willingness just to turn their heart back to you, to follow you, to make a commitment to stay on track. Maybe there's those that are here that, that, that are on track right now, but they're, they're prone to wonder. I, I pray, dear God, that maybe we might just make a commitment to stay on track. We need your help. I know that. Each and every day, 24-7, we need your help. And if there's someone here that does not know Christ as their Savior, I pray they'd come this morning and let someone take them and show them out of the Bible how they could have that all done, settled. Bless these next few minutes, Lord. We pray your perfect will would be done, and thank you for it. And we ask all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Some have already made their way to the altar. You need to come. Why don't you come now? Just take a minute, turn aside, let God have his way. Are you where you need to be spiritually? And if not, if not, if not, why not do something about it? Why not take the steps to get to that place? Why not let God have His way? Whatever He wants to do in your life, in your heart, just let God be God. Set my Thank you for being in the services today with us at Riverside Baptist Church. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, we certainly would like to help you with that. You can get more information at our website at rbcstjoe.com or call here at the church. If you're a believer and God has spoken to your heart, I hope you'll take time to turn aside and let Him have His way in your life. If we can help in any way, shape, or form, please feel free to contact us. We look forward to ministering to you again.